The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. With available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. What is up? Welcome into the Early Edge College Football Preview Show, Week 10 edition. I am your host, Alan Bell. We have a great show lined up for you today. And you know what? We're not going to waste any time, man. Let's bring in the stars of the show. Let's get everybody rolling. My guys, look at Sharp. Chip Patterson, how we doing, buddy? I'm so glad to see that you are back with Big Macs and chicken nuggets in tow. <laughs> like... This is, listen, Allen was able to provide winning picks for an entire McDonald's, okay? And, and I hope that they appropriately compensated you uh, for all of those wonderful tips as they got to hear uh, the uh, the show this morning. Yeah, you know what? I appreciate that. Yeah, and I submitted my W two, so you know, hopefully in two weeks I'll get a uh, I'll get a paycheck. And if anybody doesn't know, yeah, I was producing the uh, early edge this morning, and uh, power went out about two minutes before the show, so I had to race literally. Down the neighborhood, there's a McDonald's there. They've got Wi-Fi to run in there, produce the show. And, you know, when you're doing it like like we are now, it's it's loud. Like, I didn't have any headphones, right? So the entire restaurant could hear the show. Uh-huh. I had no idea what it was whatsoever. So Now, somebody yeah. heard it was like, that's Coach. <laughs> Somebody who was coming into the McDonald's in Nashville this morning heard Coach's voice and was like, ah, I know that one. <laughs> that, you know what? You're probably right, and that's actually hilarious. They're going to be like, I swear Jonathan Coach was at a Nashville McDonald's. I couldn't see him, though. Hmm. Tom Fernelli, how we doing, buddy? I am good. It's nice to be back. Had to miss last week's show, but uh, I had a good week anyway. So let's let's hopefully let's hope that like my absence isn't what led to my good record. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what, it's always nice to have the pole assassin back on the show. So it's good to see you, buddy. Michael Roberts, how we doing, my man? Doing excellent. Looking forward to see what the boys have to say. I picked up a couple winners last week with Chip, Rutgers and under. That worked out well. And uh, I'm looking, you know, it's great because sometimes you look at stuff. I look at the differential and ratings, and then that leads me to the team or what where I have an advantage, but to hear the other perspectives, I love this everywhere. I'm having a great uh, college football season. So um, keep them coming guys. Yeah. I love it. You know, and I'll, I'll say that's a perfect segue here. Uh, You guys had a great show last week, right? Eight and three. All right. Some nice wins on the board here. Uh, That brings the show to 58.2% against the spread this season as a whole, the record 67 and 48. So well done gentlemen. Well done. Nice, nice job. You know, yeah. You know what? We're going to we're going to run it back, dude. We're going to do it again. Now, talking about storylines that affect betting lines for week 10. Tom, I'll start with you. Uh, talk to us about how to take advantage of the college football playoff rankings that came out last night. Well, I think the best thing about the college football playoff rankings, or at least their their purpose is they make everybody mad. and i I, i'm interested to see how those numbers next to the names now it's playoff ranking will affect people's perceptions of these teams like is mississippi state now that it's 17th in the college football playoff ranking suddenly a much better team than it was when the ap poll hadn't ranked it and how will that impact the lines because you see with a lot 
of you know public betting when people are just looking to have some fun and put some money on the game like that number next to a team's name influences people who don't really follow the sport all that closely like they'll see the number 17 against a team that doesn't have a number next to it and they think well that number 17 team's got to be better or else they wouldn't be ranked and it does have an impact on the line so i i would like to see i'm not necessarily using it as the basis for any of the plays i'm planning to make this week or have made but I'm just going to kind of be tracking to see what happens with a couple of these teams that I think are ranked more based on where they play instead of how they've played, I think is the best way to put it. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And Chip, I'm going to throw it right to you. You've kind of got a correlating, you know, uh, thought process here uh, in terms of top 20 teams in the new rankings facing some tricky spots this week. Yeah, particularly road spots. Uh, I've got them listed right here. Number nine, Wake Forest is at North Carolina. Wake Forest will be an underdog there. Number three, Michigan State is at Purdue. That is only a three-point spread. Number 11, Oklahoma State is at West Virginia. Another spread of less than four points. Number 12, Baylor is at TCU. Hey, are we going to think that TCU's mailed it in? Odds makers don't think so because that's a good Baylor team, and TCU is only a, a touchdown or so underdog. And let's add in that Mississippi State team that he just mentioned. Mississippi State at number 17 on the road at Arkansas. Arkansas favored by five. So those are one, two, three, four, five top 20 teams all on the road with the point spread in the game of a touchdown or less. I consider those all tricky spots, whether you are the road favorite or the road dog. Fascinated to see what happens, especially with the emotional and the mental influence of seeing your name on that big screen on Tuesday night when they're unveiling it. And of course, with our uh, SEC on CBS game of the week that we'll get to later, number 13 and number 14, just a, a lot of action uh, right here in the, uh, in the week after we get that first set of 25. Yeah, I love it. You know, and especially with how this college football season has gone it, it, there, we've seen uh, how many ranked teams have lost 30 now, you know, something around that number, right? So it's like, why would it change? Especially now, like you said, that we have ranked teams, in conferences playing against each other, right? So, yeah, we're going to see certainly some more craziness uh, coming with that. So let's just jump into some picks. Let's get some official picks going, and I'll tell you what. Micah, I'm going to start with you. We'll talk about a big game here in the Big Ten. We got Wisconsin and Rutgers. You like the under 38 in this game. Yeah, I love Wisconsin, the way they're playing now, and the defense is absolutely killing it. I mean, crushing opponents, number one against the run, number one overall defense. That is impressive, and they're going to go against a Rutgers team who, let's just say they're kind of a baby Wisconsin, not a lot of great offense, but the defense does play okay. So I think they're just going to run around uh, back and forth. Wisconsin playing well, won uh, last four games, covered three of them. Uh, three of the four went under, and um, I think we're going to see that. Last three games for Rutgers has gone under as well, and very disciplined team. Not a lot of talent, but disciplined team at home. Wisconsin, not very good offensively. This looks like another under for Rutgers and Wisconsin to me. Well, let's keep on the under train here, and Chip, I'm going to come to you here. Army Air Force, you like the under 37. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Am I the only one who submitted this as an official pick? Is there anybody else on this show who submitted this? No. Submitted this you as got official? one more. Okay, Your tag team I, champion brother there. Well, I listen, anybody who follows Tom and anybody who follows the Cover 3 podcast understands that I am merely coattails. So I just have got to hijack <laughs> this wheel, and I've got to pass it over to the person who established the order of the Service Academy under Tom, I mean, just go ahead and tell him because I, I, I probably won't have a lot more to add than uh, than what you've got. Chip, I don't know if you've known this or not, but since 2005, 
when Service Academies play, the under is now 39, 9, and 1. Y'all wow. hear that? It 39, is, 9. It's pretty, it's it's not hard to figure out. Service Academies <laughs> run option offenses. Option offenses run the ball like 175% of the time. The ball is never in the air. The clock never stops. Therefore, you have a limited number of possessions. I mean, think about every touchdown drive Army, Air Force, and Navy score. They all last 11 plays. They all take nine minutes off the clock. <laughs> so you're looking at a game where both teams are probably playing to have the ball five times, maybe. And it keeps the scores low. And that's why it's like it's a blind play. Anytime I see it, I'm taking the under because – even though books have kind of caught on, they're afraid to post numbers too low because then everybody will hammer the over. And if the game does go over, they're going to, you know, lose their ass on it. So they, they they put the totals low, but they don't put it as low as they really want to. And you could take advantage of it. As soon as this thing posted earlier this week, I was on it multiple times, multiple places. It's come down about a point and a half, two points, depending on where you started or where it is now. And it is one of my favorite plays of the year. It happens three times a year because that's when these three teams play. We've got this is the second one. Obviously, the third will be the Army-Navy game at the end of the season. And I don't know what the total for that game will be, but I'm telling you right now, I'll be on the under. <laughs> I'm going to laugh when they put it in like 29. You know, like just something just yeah. incredibly low. Anything north of 35 is an auto fire. Like well, I have to get that thing under five touchdowns before I'll actually start entertaining the other side. Well, you know, I'm glad that you said that. Cause I was literally just about to ask like, and it's different, obviously, you know, with each game, different teams, but yeah, I, I like having like kind of a, a standard line here, like 35. Right. So we kind of all have an idea when we see it, it's like, all right, 36 and a half. All right. Under automatically. You know what I mean? So, yeah. So everybody, this is an official play both for Tom and for Chip. All right, Chip, I'm going to stay with you here real quick. Mm -hmm. A game that might not hit the under. You like Liberty plus nine and a half at Ole Miss. Hugh Freeze's old stomping grounds there. Break it down for us. Yeah, I'm, I think that Ole Miss, uh, first of all, is a a team that is not the best version of itself right now. The, in terms of health, the injuries have really started to pile up. I, I kind of think that it's just going to be a banged-up team the rest of the season. It is a team that's limping to the finish line. It doesn't mean that they weren't great at any point this season, but I do think their previous results have overvalued the point spread. And defensively, throughout most of the season, it's been an Ole Miss defense that is going to be susceptible against the run. And Malik Willis is a problem. I mean, he's he does like flick the ball, and he's very impressive with, with his arm talent. But when I look at him as a college football player, not as an NFL prospect, his ability to just go and make plays on the ground as well can just absolutely kill a defense. You're so excited. You've got Malik Willis and this Liberty offense in third down, and he just breaks your back with just enough to keep that drive alive. I see him having a big day. I see Liberty going into this game with with all the kinds of uh, motivation that you would expect where, you know, on the Liberty schedule, there's just only but so many games where you're going to look at it and feel like it's a real spotlight opportunity. Liberty doesn't get a lot of time in front of the national spotlight. I think it's going to be a, a great effort. I think uh, Hugh Freeze, sure, motivation to look good and uh, play, have your team play well, but mostly it is about Ole Miss's health and it is about Ole Miss's defense against Malik Willis. Anything over a touchdown, I, I think I was going to be on Liberty, and so I do like nine and a half. Let me ask you a weird question. And this, anybody, feel free to chime in. You you are the AD of a program, and you're going to get guaranteed three years. Would you rather have Hugh Freeze or Lane Kiffin? Lane Kiffin. Lane. Lane? Yeah. 
Mike, any thoughts? No, not really. I mean, I like Lane. <laughs> I do like Lane a lot. He, he is creative. He gets instant results. So that's kind of what you're looking for out of an offense for a newcomer. Yeah, I like it. I like it. All right, Mike, I'm going to stay with you here. Now, this is a game that we're going to break down in full yeah. even more, but you've got an official pick here. Michigan State off of a massive win over Michigan. You like State minus three at Purdue. Break it down for us. Yeah, this you know should be a letdown spot for Michigan State, but how do you put a number on a letdown, on a motion? You, you don't, and this is a thing. I'm looking at the numbers here, and I'm a neutral field. If they were playing, it'd be, let's say, eight and a half, nine for Michigan State. Let's add three points in for uh, Purdue for home field. Uh, not their full amount for home field because Michigan State's better, but Three points, we'll give them that. So I've got the game six, and I'm looking at it. Yeah, it should be this, but how about a motion going the other way where you add it on? These guys are trying to win not only a national championship or get to the playoffs, beat Ohio State, get to that point, but they're also got the motivation of trying to win the Heisman. And it's been a long climb for Kenneth Walker here at, you know, 40 to 1, 20 to 1. He was 18 to 1 before last week's game. And everybody came together. They kept feeding the ball. And you could see the Heisman trophy just kind of building in his mind and with the team. And they were so excited. So the, the lineman's going for a Heisman trophy. The defense is going for a Heisman trophy. The coach is going for a Heisman trophy. That is the rallying cry right now. Wait till Ohio State. We'll worry about it then. But they're not going to take this game lightly. They saw what Purdue did to Iowa. So I, um, I, 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 I had to lay it. It's a short price. It should be six. So that's it. Go get the Heisman. I want to see Walker win it. I, I love this. Running backs winning a Heisman again. That's cool. Yeah, I'm with you. And that kid, he ran his ass off last yes. week. I mean, that's a tough son of a gun. He really did. Uh, and I'm with you. Like, I was kind of surprised uh, that the number was so low, you know, and, and and totally understand, you know, the letdown factor after a game like that. But, yeah, three, I, I thought that the number would be uh, much higher. Now, all right, go to the Big 12 here. Tom, I'm going to come to you. Baylor TCU, you like the under 58 and a half. Yeah, this is mostly a numbers play for me. Anything over 56, I think, is a solid play on the under. I, I look at these two teams. I know Baylor's offense has really gone to another level this year. With Jeff Grimes, their offensive coordinator, he came from BYU, and it's been wonderful. It's one of the reasons why Baylor is off to the start. It is, but this is still a Dave Aranda team, and Dave Aranda teams are always going to be built around defense because that's his background. That's what he wants. That's what we saw last year. And now they're facing a TCU team that honestly has been very underwhelming all season long and just fired or mutually agreed to part ways with Gary Patterson this week. So now they've got an interim coach taking over in Jerry Kill, who we have plenty of knowledge of, of how Jerry Kill likes to run his teams when he's in charge, like from his time at Northern Illinois, from his time at Minnesota. It's not exactly a high-powered, up-tempo attack that Jerry Kill prefers. So I think that and in this interim capacity, he's going to be taking this team as an underdog in a game like this. And they're going to try to slow this one down. They're going to try to keep it close. They're going to try to be conservative, keep that Baylor offense, which is pretty explosive and pretty powerful, off the field as much as possible and give themselves a chance to win the game. And I think the best way for that for them to do that will be to try to take the air out of the ball. So I think Baylor's going to win this game. I think Baylor's going to win it comfortably. And I also think that you got to bake in the fact that if they are leading late and they're up a few scores, 
I don't think they're going to try to. I don't think they're going to be trying to run the score up on this TCU team right now. I think that they understand the situation. They'll probably show a little bit of mercy. So, again, as long as it's it's fifty six or higher, I'm going to be taking the under. I'll jump on that real quick. Yeah. Um, Dave Aranda's comments about Gary Patterson echo a lot of what we've heard from around the Big Twelve of opposing coaches very unhappy with the way that they perceive TCU has treated Gary Patterson uh, here with this season and the way things have gone. Dave Aranda, a defensive mind, really admires Gary Patterson mm-hmm. and sort of what he's done for the modern college defense. And so if you – that that to me is an emotional angle that supports Tom's comment right there. I hadn't even thought about that until he said that. But Dave Aranda is not going to be uniquely motivated to just pound TCU into the dirt. Man, that's an excellent point. Excellent point. All right, Chip, let's stay with you. Colorado State, Wyoming. You've got the, I love that when you find these games under 40 and a half, what are you seeing? Well, first of all, Colorado State has been a very, 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 very good under team as is. Uh, the way that they handle business offensively is very plotting and methodical. Uh, the way that you know they handle business on offense as well. I mean, in its last, let's see, throw out the last two games out, our results are 28-19, 26-24. We remember 22-6 against Toledo, 24-14 against Iowa. Well, guess what? You know what's even more plotting and methodical than Colorado State? It's going to be Wyoming, which hasn't had a team hit 30 since the third week of the season. Neither team has hit 30 since the third week of the season. Wyoming plays good defense, uh, and Wyoming also moves at a very methodical pace. But there is something else that very much excites me. Uh, Tom, have, have you checked the weather report in Laramie? I have, yes. Well, what, what, what does it say right now? Well, Chip, it's going to be windy in Laramie, where War Memorial Stadium currently has forecasts for temperatures in the upper 50s, low 60s, clear skies, and that sun will be powering the wind, which will be howling through War Memorial Stadium at speeds of 15 to 18 miles per hour. Yeah, 15 to 18 miles an hour is just what I need to hear. It's going to be windy in Laramie. Uh And when it's windy in Laramie, boy, I'm going to get in there. I mean, it is 40 and a half. That is my commitment to the windy in Laramie principle that I am looking for that 24 to 14 result. (laughs) Let's go. That might be my favorite phrase. And you guys have fired out some gems on this show already (laughs) in the 10 weeks that we've done this. I think that one is my favorite one. Now, we're going to pause real quick because there are a ton of questions in the chat. And anyone feel free. I understand that this isn't a game that we had listed in terms to break down in full. But we've got some questions about some action tonight. All right. Kent State, Northern Illinois. I believe the line now sits Kent State minus four. Anybody have any thoughts on it? whatsoever i am on northern illinois it is my twitter tip of the day kent state is terrible defensively and it is really difficult to trust a terrible defensive team to cover the spread as a favorite now be warned because kent state is busting out some sweet throwback uniforms tonight which might be worth a couple of points by themselves so if this bet is wrong blame it on the uniforms but this is a northern illinois team that has been very good in conference play, it's been very good all season. It's already exceeded its win total. Kent State is three and one in the MAC, yet it's allowed more points than it scored because it ran up. It got completely destroyed by Western Michigan. It lost by thirty three, and it's three wins. I think the record of the three teams it's beaten in the MAC are a combined seven and eighteen. 
So Kent State's been, you know, a bump slayer so far this year. Northern Illinois has not been a bump. So I really like the Huskies getting the points, and that's the one play that I like out of tonight's two MAC games. I love. I like it. Western I Michigan. It. Western Michigan tonight. Um, they've had a little trouble uh, two of their last three games. I don't know what happened. Ellaby had like his worst game ever a couple games ago. So it's kind of a bounce back spot when they lost at home. I, I forget who it was. Uh, I think it was Kent. I'm not sure who they lost at home and then they bounced back again. Oh, they beat Kent. That's they, what it was. Yeah, so they, they came back and absolutely killed them. And then they lost their last game. So I think it's a rebound spot. They are the best team in the Mac. Uh, they have probably the slickest quarterback in the Mac. And I think they put it together here and get the blowout win. Not uh, blowout, 17 or more. Beautiful, beautiful. All right, one more. And again, anybody feel free. And if you don't have any, Info, feel free to just pass on it. But we, we're getting questions about Fresno State and Boise State this week. Anybody have any thoughts here? Mm. Good luck. All right, there's your answer. There you go. <laughs> right, here's, here's my thought. Yep. Boise State's not trustworthy. Boise State should win this game. Boise State should play spoiler to everything. Not should, but in our mind, when we think about the consistency okay. yeah. of the Boise State program within the Mountain West, you look at this and you would look say like, Get out of here. Like, but like, no way. Like, Boise State, uh, that is going to be the play. And when you've got a model of consistency within a group of five program, you build in some of those expectations. But in terms of that expectation, Boise State has fallen short of it several times this season. I am spooked off the Broncos. The Broncos' ceiling is good enough to win the game outright. But again, too much variance in the performance. Beautiful. All right. Let's head to Lexington, Kentucky. Now, we have two official plays on this game, both on the same play from Chip and Tom. So, Tom, you go first. Chip, jump in right after him. You both like Tennessee plus one at Kentucky. Yeah, I mean, this for me is kind of a gut play more than anything. I just think that right now Kentucky is Kentucky's it's kind of a situation similar to what you were talking about earlier with Ole Miss chip. I think Kentucky's best football of the season is behind it. I think that they were playing really well in September and early October and the last few weeks they've been going in the wrong direction. Like they came out early in the season. They had a brand new offense. Teams weren't really sure what they were going to see. They weren't able to prepare for it. Kentucky took advantage of it, but now teams have seen the offense. They've got plenty of tape on it. They know what to expect. And some of the flaws in it and some of the flaws in Will Levis in particular have been exposed And Kentucky's defense as awesome as it is. I don't think they're going to be able to completely stop a Tennessee offense that has been incredibly explosive and is, I think, the highest scoring offense in the first quarter, if I remember. So that's another thing to keep in mind for this game, too. Maybe take Tennessee in the first quarter. But uh, I think overall, if this gets into a shootout game, and the Volunteers are able to get a lead, I just don't think Kentucky's built to be able to keep up or come from behind. And I think that in a game this tight, honestly, the fact that Tennessee's only a one-point dog on the road at Kentucky probably should be all you need to see to realize what, what everybody, like at least what the books think is more likely to happen here. So I'm going to take the Vols plus the point. If you want to take the money line, depending on what kind of price you can get on that compared to the juice on the spread, I say go for it. But I'm taking the point for the show. Yeah, the uh, the curtain has been pulled back. The wizard is the Will Levis that we knew all along. Like it's just not a situation where I'm all that intimidated by Kentucky. I don't think that Kentucky is a, a team that you know is going to be an easy out by any means. I agree with the this being probably a game that's close, but I really think that 
if you need one of these offenses to go and get you points to win the game, I have so much more confidence in Tennessee doing it than I do in Kentucky. Yeah, especially Tennessee coming off a bye as well. You know, Hooker could give it more healthy. Uh, Chip, let's stay with you here. NC State minus two and a half at Florida State. What do you see? Good football team, man. He There's two things that really stand out to me about the Wolfpack. Um, number one, this defense has just taken multiple significant injuries and still found ways to respond. Like Peyton Wilson, an All-American candidate, goes down. Up comes Isaiah Moore. Isaiah Moore goes down, and up comes Drake Thomas. And Drake Thomas has like 15 or 16 tackles in that game. You know, Tanner Engel in the secondary is another guy I think has really stood out. The whole defensive line's played well. I think that is going to be something that's going to allow NC State to continue plodding along and continue to have what's been uh, a really, really impressive season where the Wolfpack had that dud against Mississippi State offensively at the beginning of the season, but have found ways to kind of put it together uh, ever since then. Now, speaking of that dud against Mississippi State, ever since then, NC State quarterback Devin Leary has been pretty good. Uh, he's been taking care of the ball, and I think that those two things – Devin Leary avoiding turnovers and the steps he's taken along with NC State's defense just being a group that I really respect help NC State be able to go get in and out of Tallahassee with a win, keeping their ACC championship hopes alive. Nice. Now, you have two more official plays, which we're going to get to here in just a second. But to wrap this segment up, Tom finishes here. You like UL Monroe plus four at Texas State. Yeah, this is uh, what the hell has Texas State done to deserve to be favored over anybody? Like, this is a very bad football team. And I know, like, if you look at ULM, this is one of those instances where the power ratings make sense as far as the spread. But your eyes and everything else should tell you differently. Because ULM, if you look at them, they're 4-4, four and four, yet they have a point differential on the season of negative 122. Like, like, when they lose, they get absolutely crushed, and then they win close. Texas State's not crushing them. Texas State is not good enough to crush them. Jake Spavital, the coach of the Bobcats, he went the offseason. He, he he brought in a lot of transfers with the idea that it could really, you know, help the team win games and compete in the Sun Belt, but it just hasn't worked. There hasn't been any cohesion. There hasn't been any real gelling. It's been a bad team on both sides of the ball. I can't really name one thing that the Bobcats have done well this season. And ULM, for all its problems defensively, has at least shown an ability that it knows how to win games. And I think that with Terry Bowden and Nick Rodriguez, there's a lot of experience on that coaching staff that knows how to win games. So I look at this line, and again, Texas State should not be favored by this many points against anybody. Texas State should be favored by any points against anybody except maybe like a UMass or a UConn right now. And that's only if they're at home. If it's on the road or a neutral field, I would just say blow up the field and don't play the game. So I'm going to take the Warhawks. It's it's scary to bet on a team like that. I understand you're not going to be feeling great. It's going to be kind of like a really scary roller coaster where you're just kind of grabbing on and holding on for dear life. But it's, it's the right play. The Texas State Bobcats are just a very, very, very bad football team. But have you seen Bowden rocking this like yellow hoodie that he's got going yeah, on? Yeah, yeah. It's not scary. I am enthused by the opportunity to back the Warhawks in this spot. You are right, Tom. Like, I, I can't jump on it, but consider this a personal endorsement as I just like made my own little note on my notepad. I was like, ooh, ULM plus four. I, I won't copy it on the lock show but I will be taking them. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That's all we want to do, right? Right. Each other's picks that we like. That's what the whole show is about. Now we're going to get to our top six games of the week. Look, <clears throat> everybody in the chat right now, 
we're going to break down the first game, and we're going to give away some year-long subscription to Sportsline. So I need everyone to hit the like button. I need everyone to hit the subscribe button on YouTube. Do that right now. And what we're going to do, this first one is going to be courtesy of our man, Micah Roberts. He's going to choose last on this game. Okay? <clears throat> so we're going to break down Wake Forest at North Carolina. North Carolina is a two-and-a-half-point favorite at a total of 76. So what I need you to do in the chat right now is drop your Twitter handle and one of four options, either Wake Forest, North Carolina, over or under. Only put one of them in there, put your Twitter handle, and like we said, Michael will go last. If you guess correctly, we'll choose someone in the chat, and you'll win a year-long subscription to Sportsline. All right, Chip, I want to go with you first because you have an official play on this game. You like North Carolina minus two and a half. Uh, yeah. Do you remember what this game was last year? It was 59 to 53. Now <laughs> I am not out here. And by the way, those were with the exact same two quarterbacks, Sam Howell and Sam Hartman. That was with the exact same offensive coordinators, Phil Longo and Warren Ruggiero. And that was with, for the most part, the exact same defenses. If anything, Wake Forest, uh, I guess had a little bit of turnover throughout the season. I don't remember whether Boogie Basham was still in the lineup at that point or not. But I'm expecting about the same game. So, uh, well, and I would never take an over 76 because I am principled. But that, I, I, I just think that North Carolina, like last year, was able to break serve. It is truly a game that takes on a tennis match. Not because the fans are going dunk, 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 but because at some point it's going to be who gets one stop. Who is able to swing the game? Because both offenses and both quarterbacks are going to feel as though they're going to be able to score every single time they have the ball. And I think that North Carolina has a little bit more high-end talent on the defensive side of the ball than Wake Forest does. Wake Forest has much more experience. They're almost all juniors, retro juniors, seniors, graduate students. But in terms of like Tony Grimes, for example, um, in, in the at the cornerback position, he's probably going to play in the NFL. Um you know, there's a there's just a few more players for North Carolina where if it's a fumble, if it's a third down stop, if it's an interception, I see North Carolina, and it might be in the third quarter, it might be in the early fourth quarter, but I think I trust North Carolina to break serve and to be able to get an edge that Wake Forest just won't be able to overcome. I think both offenses score at will. Uh, I will take North Carolina minus the two and a half. Solid. Tom, you like the over 76 here. I am also a man of principle, Chip, but I am betting the over because the principle just wants to have fun for this one. <laughs> I don't have a great feel on either part, the spread or the total here, but I like the over simply because neither of these teams are good on defense. Like if you look at Wake Forest's overall numbers, they're not terrible. They're typically kind of just average to below average, but that that's skewed by early season results like Old Dominion, Norfolk State, Florida State. They played well against those three teams defensively. And they also surprisingly, to their credit, played well against Virginia early in the season. And Virginia's got one of the most explosive offenses in the country. So they deserve credit for that. But since then, Louisville scored 34 points on them. Syracuse scored 37 points on them. Army scored 56 points on them. And then last week against the Duke team that I think is just kind of checked out and ready for the season to be over, they held them to seven, beat them 45 to seven. So this is a wake offense. It's very explosive. And it's a defense that in the last month or so has really not looked very good. And this North Carolina offense is the most talented and most explosive one that they have seen since that Virginia game, at least. And the North Carolina has more talent on offense than the Cavaliers do. So 
I think this is going to be just a dumb kind of shootout that the total suggests. And I don't know who's going to win. I think I lean with you, Chip. I, I lean towards the Tar Heels because I do think as much as I like Wake Forest, I don't really think they're the ninth best team in the country. I think they're just a really fun team and a solid team that has played a favorable schedule and they've taken advantage of it and they deserve full credit for it. But this strikes me as a 45-42 kind of game. And that's just so that's what I'm hoping for. It's what I want to see and it's what I'm taking. A dumb kind of shootout. That's another one that is going right up on the wall. I love that one. All right, Micah, I'm going to get out of your way, buddy. What do you like in this? Yeah, these guys are making a lot of sense here. And I'll start off. This wasn't a, I'm not betting this game, but I did make the game more towards Pickham. And so there's a little value to me with that, but not a lot, unless it was three points or more. But the total here, and I'm looking at it, and it's like, how do these guys stop each other? Somebody's going to fail in the moment. And I think we're seeing, okay, last year it's a big shootout game over 100 total points here. Somebody's going to fail offensively, whether it's the pressure of now being undefeated. We've seen how some of these teams the last few weeks have fallen with that. Or with UNC just being the same team they've been over the last five weeks where they've had bad losses to Florida State and Miami and Georgia Tech. No covers in their last three. Don't have all the same skill players as last year either. I think that North Carolina um, is going to have a hard time matching up some of their scoring that they've done through the course of the season. So uh, Wake Forest. Good moment for them to step up and good moment for their defense to step up. I like the under if I have to choose and bet. I like it. And we're going to go with Captain Marvel. Congratulations. You have just won a year-long subscription, courtesy of Micah, because my man was, I mean, just came out of the gate firing. Like, I, I think that he knew exactly what Micah was going to go with here. and had yes, yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, so well done, Captain. I'll uh, get with you after the show. Congratulations there. So, everybody, how about we run that back? Let's have some fun here. All right, this one's going to be courtesy of our man, Tom Fernelli. All right, what I need you to do, honor system, everybody hit that like button, hit the subscribe button. We trust you, right? We're not going to stand over you, watch you do it, but we trust you. We're going to break down Ohio State and Nebraska. Ohio State is a 15-point favorite, a total of 64 and a half. Tom will go last. Put in the chat right now your Twitter handle and one of four options. Ohio State, Nebraska, over, under. That's it. That's all you got to do. All right, Micah, I'm going to come back to you here. You like Nebraska. Yeah, this is a tough one, too, and it's not something that I can uh, really bet myself. Uh, the Buckeyes, I root for the Buckeyes. Number one offense. They're great, phenomenal. Um, but I don't know what it is about this Nebraska team. They're, there's something. They're playing hard, and they lose almost every week, but they still play hard every single week. So in a season that's basically lost, there's a lot of positives out there with them, but it's that competitive nature and they're still playing hard. And that says a lot about the coaching and their desire to uh, succeed under him. And this could be a turning point. This could be their entire season, not only, you know, winning the game, that's, but staying within the game and making Ohio state work, making them sweat, making them, make the turnover that they normally don't make, just making it uh, something that the crowd can get into and be competitive. And to stay within 14 points, I think, is is doable in this situation on the road for a team that has a lot of pressure on them as a Buckeyes. We saw last week they weren't completely fluid in their game. It was a big game. This is another big game on the road that they have to have. And, you know, we've seen 
big blowouts, 50 points here. A lot of, I don't know if we'll see that here in this game. I think we're going to see a good Nebraska effort and enough to make uh, Ohio State sweat enough and get the cover. So I think Chip has somewhat of a correlating play with that. You like the under 64 and a half. Yeah, uh, look at the results that Nebraska's put together. And when it does play these teams hard, it's not because its offense is lighting up the scoreboard in a shootout. It is because the defense has come up with answers. And if anything, I'm worried about losing my under bet because of Nebraska throwing interceptions to set up short <laughs> fields and allow things to be easy. I don't think that things are going to be easy for C.J. Stroud uh, and the Ohio State offense and the way that it was against a Rutgers, a Maryland, and Indiana, as we saw the Buckeyes rocket to the top of all the national rankings as one of the top offenses in the country. If, but I also want to admit that I'm talking about going against one of the top offenses in the country. I respect the personnel, and I respect what that group's ceiling is, but I think that you know I want to take Nebraska because I think it would be hilarious. Yeah. I think it would be hilarious if Nebraska wins this game outright because you know what? Nebraska's three and six and uh, Nebraska could finish five and seven. But if one of those five is Ohio state, give Scott Frost an extension. Okay. But the problem is if they lose this game, if they get blown out, if they finish four and eight, then I don't know. We're probably talking about adding Nebraska to uh, USC and LSU and all these other power five TCU, Texas tech, all these other power five jobs that are opening up. I I think that Nebraska plus the points is something that could support. But ultimately, if I believe that Nebraska is going to play it close, it means limiting Ohio State offensively more than it means keeping up in a shootout. Give me the under. Yeah, I don't even know where Nebraska fans would stand, right? Like, they'd love to win the game, but you talk about Scott Frost getting, you know, an extension. I think there's some that would like it. I think there's a lot that would not like that at all. Uh, all right, so... Big Tom Callahan Fornelli here, all right? I'm going to get out of your way. We've got a lot of guesses in the chat. A lot of people think they know exactly where you're going. So I'm getting out of your way. What do you got? When it comes to breaking down this game, there's a simple question you got to ask yourself. Is Nebraska going to win this game, or is Nebraska going to lose this game? Because it's two, two different ways Nebraska plays. If we look at Nebraska's wins... They beat Fordham 52-7, to so they won by 45. They beat Buffalo by 25. They beat Northwestern by 49. Now let's look at their six losses. They lost to Illinois by three. They lost to Oklahoma by seven. They lost to Michigan State by three. They lost to Michigan by three. They lost to Minnesota by seven, and they lost to Purdue by five. Nebraska loses one-score games. It's superpower is staying close to teams it cannot beat. And last I checked, Chip, as funny as it would be, Ohio State is not a team that Nebraska can beat. But what it can do is stay within 15 points of it. So my play is Nebraska plus 15. That was a perfect delivery. Well done. Just absolutely well done. Congratulations to Brandon Snyder in the chat at Bleed underscore B and G. He selected Nebraska. Well done. Nice job. On that one. All right, next game here. So we are going to go. We're going to stay here in the Big Ten. Now, we talked about it uh, about 15 minutes ago. Micah, we're, we're breaking down Michigan State minus three at Purdue. We got a total of 54. So, Micah, we got yours. You got an official play here on Michigan State minus three. Uh, so, Chip, I'll throw it over to you. Mm -hmm. You like Purdue plus three in this. 
Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's go easy on like, okay? <laughs> because I did not make this an official play. Hey, this let me say this. Everyone, everyone hammer the YouTube like and don't hammer that like. Right, yeah, we I, well, right. I just I need to make sure that I say I am taking the bait. I am the sucker. I am jumping on this because Purdue's giant killing history has to be brought to the table. Purdue's ability to rise up uh, from before Jeff Brom, within the Jeff Brom era, and and play these uh, these top teams really, really close, if not beat them, I think that that is very relevant here. And David Bell has the potential, as we're all looking at Kenneth Walker as like you know Mr. Heisman Trophy. I don't think that David Bell's necessarily going into it the best player on the field either team, but it's close. We can have a real good debate in terms of Kenneth Walker versus David Bell. Who would you rather have? And I would understand answers for each. I'll tell you what David Bell can be is the best player in this game specifically. If Purdue is able to step up and have some answers for Kenneth Walker, uh, I, I mean, Purdue offensively, it is uh it's a it's a ride to watch this team continue to uh, work through its quarterbacks find different ways to try to pick you apart if you want to allege gimmicky i wouldn't argue with you but i i mean i'm just going to be beating that big old drum and just thinking that playing this particular team in this moment the week after michigan just smells like college football so yeah give me purdue plus 3 all right tom i think you got a pretty pretty good correlated play on this you like the under 54 yeah, I mean, I th- it is a weird situation for me with the spread because I think Michigan State's the better football team, but I do worry about the letdown of last week, and I do worry about being on the road in a tricky spot against a Purdue team that is basically made an entire history out of winning games it's not supposed to against <laughs> highly ranked teams. So that scares me. So I, I'm more attracted to the total because we talked about it earlier. Kenneth Walker is awesome. He's a home run hitter, but that – kind of doesn't just describe Walker as much as it describes the entire Michigan State offense. This is a team that puts together big plays and relies on them to score points. They aren't effective or efficient when it just comes to getting those five, six, seven yards at a time to keep drives alive. They need those big plays to survive. And they're facing a Purdue defense that, to my surprise, especially because this is a, it's been good. It's no other way to put it. Like the last few years, the Boilermakers defense has been awful. I came into this season expecting Purdue's defense to be awful, and it's been anything but. They've been very good. Some of that is due to the teams they've played, but they've played some strong offenses and like Notre Dame, and they've held them down. And I just think that this is going to be a case where Purdue is able to limit the big plays that Michigan State makes, which is going to keep this a lower-scoring game because, as Chip was talking about too, Purdue's offense, it's not consistent itself. There's been too much change at the quarterback spot, although I do think they are improving. But I think going up against this Michigan State defense – Michigan State loves to let play the red zone roulette. Purdue's red zone offense is not great. So I think that this is going to be a lower scoring game. I like Michigan State more on the spread, but I don't love it. What I love is the under. Yeah, I think I love that too. Uh, I, 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 I think I really like that under. All right, next game, which sadly could be the final time that we see Nick Saban versus Ed Orgeron, at least at these two schools. We've got LSU at Alabama. Good. I mean, isn't that sealed? Yeah, I mean, there's no, there's no mystery about this. Well, <laughs> you never know. You never know where Ed, Ed might, is going to pop up. What if up Ed wins on. out? What if Ed wins out? What do they do then? I don't know. I think that he's got 17 million reasons to just go <laughs> ahead and step aside. 
Look, I'm just waiting for the day that, you know, about five years down the road, you know, when Nick Saban, the cyborg, is still going. And uh, Ed O gets that Auburn job. So we could just wait on that one, though. All right, so we got LSU at Alabama. Alabama, 28-and-a-half-point favorite. A total of 66. Now, this is a massive spread, but I wanted to include this game because not too long ago, this was a massive, massive game. But now we're just looking at a massive spread. And all of you kind of have the same idea here. All right, Mike, I'm going to start with you. You like Alabama 28 now. Uh, yeah, and we look at last season, 55-17, almost same situation as this season here. Um, you got Bryce Young going for the Heisman, but the better team, better defense, obviously Alabama. And when you look at the numbers and you see the, the big giant spread, you're like, oh, come on, LSU's got to be able to hang in there. I don't think so. I think it's going to be one of those games where Alabama just takes care of business at home and just steamrolls them 28-3 at the half. And it moves on to the side, slow down a little bit, get some of the second and third stringers in some playing time. And before we know it, it's 48 to 10, you know, something like that. Um, so, yeah, I think just the class, I think LSU, the coach is coming down. You know, they wanted to do a big thing. We'll win out. But I, I don't see that happening. That's all worn off. Edo is gone. It's too bad. Um, but Saban, they still got stuff to do, and they're still uh, highly respected. One of uh, three teams that I have ranked higher in a point spread rating than Cincinnati, which is odd when you look at the numbers. So Alabama is is going to take care of business this game. Nice. Tom, you got the same thing. Yeah, I mean, you remember when you were in school, like you get to the last week or two of the school year and you were just ready for it to be summer vacation. Mm -hmm. You kind of just check out and whatever. Yeah, here's my homework. I'm going to do the absolute bare minimum possible just <laughs> to keep from getting in trouble. That's LSU right now. Like, Ed knows he's on the way out. Like, he's been very blunt in press conferences this week. He knows he's got $17 million coming. If you look at the roster, Miles Brennan just entered the transfer portal. This is a team that's seen a lot of players kind of opt out of the rest of the season, whether due to injury or whatever, just to get ready. They're razor thin. Their depth is already just completely tested. And now they're going up against an Alabama team that is just has no reason to show them mercy because they're competing for an SEC title. They're competing for a playoff berth. So destroying LSU helps them accomplish that goal. And while I would like it a lot more if it was 27 and a half instead of 28 and a half, I will make the official prediction right here that Alabama will be covering the spread by halftime. And I would say that maybe that means you should just take the first half bet instead, instead of relying on this, the entire game, because maybe they take their foot off the pedal in the fourth quarter and put in a bunch of reserves. But honestly, looking at the depth charts right now, I think I have more confidence in Alabama's second and third string than I do against LSU starters at the moment, because I wow. think most of LSU starters are second and third stringers who have been forced into you know bigger roles than they're ready for. So, yeah, roll damn tide. <laughs> Chip, clean us up here. Um, I don't think that Ed O'Dron should have said that roll tide blank you. I think that any kind of sympathy that old coach Nick Saban might have had for uh, his SEC West counterpart here is not going to rise to the surface after Ed Odron said that roll tide blank you. Tom, you nailed it there. 
Uh, I was I was going to say, when it comes time to put in Alabama's backups, you've reached the quality of LSU starters. I mean, we, we really might see walk-ons here. If I was to show you LSU's two-deep depth chart going into the first game of the season, but then mark out all the players that are not going to be available, it would look like one of those government documents that gets released and everything's redacted except for like... Uh, I don't know, Tyron Davis Price, like as the backup running back or something along the way. I just, Alabama all the way, without a doubt. Like, redacted. Yeah, no, I just love that. Redacted. I just had it in my head, like just going through that. All, all, the, black, too- all the black lines oh, all along yeah, the way. You can't yeah. read anything on it whatsoever. You're like, all right, yeah, glad I waited six weeks for this one. All right. Oklahoma State minus three at West Virginia, a total of 49. Mike, I'm going to come back to you. You like the under 49 of this one. Yeah, we're going under, and we're going basically what these teams have done all season long. Oklahoma State under six of their eight games, and we've got uh, five of the eight for West Virginia as well. It's a tough place to play. I think they're going to try to uh, slow it down, um, run the ball, and uh, – you know, you're not going to have much success running the ball, West Virginia running against Oklahoma State. I still think – I don't know. I don't know how to, to take Oklahoma State after their loss. Uh, then they come back West Virginia last week or whatever. They take care of Iowa State, the team that beat them. So I don't know how that works out. That was Doja's best game uh, that I've seen. It was a step up, kind of what he was doing last year, but I thought he took a step back this season. Sanders – uh, he's going to do okay, but he's going to throw a pick here and there. So I uh, I just think it's going to be uh, two teams grinding, you know, in the uh, early 20s, 20, 23, 21, something like that as a high-scoring game. Yeah, I think you've got some support here in terms of how you just broke that down. Chip, you like West Virginia plus three. Yeah, I, look, the beginning of the TCU game – you know, you're going into it, uh, you've lost three straight, including a, a loss to Texas Tech, which is just so embarrassing. You had the close call against Oklahoma, uh, you have four losses through the season, and here TCU runs the kickoff back 100 yards. And I would not be surprised if we look at that as a turning point for the season because they rally back, they win that game against the Horn Frogs, they follow it up with that home win against Iowa State, I just think that finally West Virginia is playing with the as much confidence as it's been playing all season. I think the Iowa State game was the most complete that it's played all season. The fact that you're sticking around at home, I, I just kind of like the um, I like the mojo of uh, of what the Mountaineers might have. So yeah, I'll take West Virginia plus the three. All right, now to support both of you in how you just broke down this game, my man Tom Fernelli doesn't even want. The three points of West Virginia. West Virginia money line plus nice. 120. What do you got, buddy? I just think West Virginia is going to win this game more often than not. I, I think this is an Oklahoma State team that is good. Do not get me wrong. They deserve to be ranked where they are. They're very solid defensively. Offensively, they have come around. But West Virginia is coming around lately, too. Kind of like what you were talking about, Chip. This is an offense the last few weeks, even including that game at Baylor, has been much better in October than it was in September. They, I don't know what's happened, if they've changed the approach, if people have just gotten more comfortable in their roles, if somebody else has taken on a new role, but they've been playing better. We saw it last week in the 38-31 to win against a very good Iowa State defense. We saw them do well against TCU. We saw them do well against a good Baylor defense in that Texas Tech loss. 
even though the loss itself looks bad. If you look at the numbers, West Virginia played well in the game. It just lost it. And I think that this is an Oklahoma State team that, you know, their defense is outstanding. But going on the road in this environment in Hunt, in, in at West Virginia, they're going to need to do something on offense. And I don't trust this offense in that environment to just be able to kind of just do what they typically do, which is run the ball. Spencer Sanders is going to have to make some plays to the air to win this game. I don't have enough trust in him to think that he's going to do it. So give me the Mountaineers on the money line. I love it. I love it. Anytime I mean, that's, that's another one of these spots. Like when you asked mm-hmm. for the storyline, I was like, look at all of these teams in all of these terrifying road positions. We've watched enough college football to know they are not all going to take care of business. And this is one of my favorites to circle and say that 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 is a great spot for a top 15 teams to, to lose. Yeah, and I love that, you know, essentially that those were three great breakdowns and you guys essentially built off of each other. Like I, that was just, it, it was perfectly played by all three of you. All right, now our final game and we're going to run it back one more time. We're going to give away a year-long subscription to Sportsline as we always do on the final game with our man Chip Patterson here and you get the special, I lost the word there. I don't know what I was going to say. You get the special opportunity. There we go. That this is also, yeah, I'm not the smartest guy on the planet. Let me just say that. You get this is also an official play for Chip. So he's going to go last. We're going to break down Auburn at Texas A&M. Texas A&M is a four and a half point favorite, a total of 49. Okay. So what you have to do in the chat right now, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. All right. Honor system. We trust you. But in the chat, drop your Twitter handle and one of four options, either Auburn, Texas A&M, over or under one of those four and your Twitter handle chip will go last. If you select correctly, uh, we'll choose someone in the chat and give you a year long subscription to Sportsline. Okay. So Tom, I'm going to come to you first. You like the under 49 in this one. I do. I, uh, I just don't trust either of these offenses very much. And I know that in recent weeks, these offenses have given us reasons to think they've turned the corner. They figured things out. Like, you know, Zach Calzada, when he took over the starting job at Texas A&M, the thing that you got to remember about Jimbo Fisher's offense, and one of the things I've often been critical of Jimbo Fisher's offense for is it is very complicated. It is not easy to learn. It is an NFL offense. But the problem is in the NFL, you can have your quarterback in the facility 25 hours a day and you're not going to get in trouble. In college, you're limited to how much time you're allowed to work. So it takes quarterbacks a while to learn this offense. And we've seen Calzada improve peaking obviously with that win over Alabama but the last two weeks Calzada still put up fantastic numbers but he's done it against Mizzou and South Carolina two of the worst defenses in the SEC now let's go to Bo Nix who the last two weeks has been fantastic he's completed 77 percent of his passes he's averaging 10 yards per attempt he's got a 5.4 touchdown rate 5.4 percent but he's done it against Ole Miss and Arkansas two of the worst defenses in the SEC. If you look at his numbers against everybody else that he's faced this year and everybody else that he's faced in his career, Bo Nix has not been an outstanding quarterback. And if you just look at Auburn's offensive line, they've struggled against good defenses all season long. And they're going to be facing a Texas A&M defensive front that is one of the best in the nation. So I don't see Auburn really being able to move the ball all that effectively and score a lot of points, nor do I see Texas A&M's offense being able to just do whatever it wants against this Auburn defense. So I think this is going to be kind of a low-scoring, not rock fight. Like, I don't think it's going to be 13-10, to but I don't think either of these teams is getting out of, you know, past 27 points. So I'm going to take the under. Nice. Now, Mike, I'm going to throw it to you. You like Auburn here. 
with the points. Yeah, and it's just one of those things. I kind of like the role that Bo Nix is going on, and I know it's the road now, but this is a time where he's put a couple games together, and that's good to see. And on the other side, Calzada, they've uh, three win the last two, though, Missouri and South Carolina. Uh, he's had some interceptions, uh, at least one the last couple games in a row. Uh, but the, you're right, the offense is opening up more. The playbook's opening up more. Fisher's giving him more, and he's responding. He's shown a command of the offense. It's been kind of impressive, actually. And it's one of those things where I think they're rolling so high, those two wins, maybe kind of – I don't think they're going to take Auburn lightly, but I think this is a spot where I look at Auburn – there are only two losses of uh, what Penn state and who else did they lose to uh, Georgia, Georgia. That's not anything, you know, to uh, cry over. That's, uh, you know, those are not bad losses. That was pretty good. I mean, playing at the whiteout at, at Penn state, who's going to win that game? Maybe Ohio state, maybe I, I don't know, but Auburn, I think has a little momentum going. They both got the same record, both covered the same games, uh, almost identical on the stat line as far as betting trends. So, I'm going to go ahead and take uh, Auburn here. I think you're right. I think it's going to be a defensive game. And I think I'm going to take it, you know, maybe uh, Texas A&M gets a field goal at the end to win the game. I feel good taking the points. Nice. Now, Chip, not only is this an official play for the entire Early Edge crew, this is also a year-long subscription to Sportsline on the line. I'm going to get out of your way, buddy. What do you got? First of all, much love to the odds makers because when you throw me uh, four points to the home side and 49 on the total, it sure seems like, hey, you guys figure it out. I don't know. <laughs> These are two pretty competitive teams. They both have great defensive lines or a better defensive line to Texas A&M, better defensive backfield and sort of pass defense to Auburn. Uh, two quarterbacks that are overrated because they've been beaten up on bad teams. As Tom mentioned, this will be a defensive battle. This will hit the under the under is five and three on the season for Texas A&M is four and three for Auburn, including three out of the last four. The best thing that Auburn can do is run the ball with Tank Bigsby and Jarquez Hunter. Texas A&M is not really going to let you run the ball all that much. The best thing that Texas A&M can do. Well, that's going to be run the ball with Isaiah Spiller and Devin a chain and Auburn, I think is going to be ready to provide some, uh, some resistance to that. So, you know, whether it's running the ball a lot and the clock moves quickly, whether it's uh, two quarterbacks that I think are going to face their toughest tests yet, I, I just see this one being like a, look, it might be a sweat, but we're talking 24-20. You know, we're talking 24-17. We're talking something that is going to end up uh, with us coming in under the 49. Beautiful. And congratulations to Chico Valencia. Correct. Hey, Chico. Yeah, absolutely. Correctly selected the under there. So you just won a year-long subscription to Sportsline. I will get with you after the show. Congratulations and well done. Now, <clears throat> excuse me, as Coach always says, grab your paper, grab your pencil, and let's take a look at picks that we have. And it does look glorious. Chip Patterson is on. North Carolina minus 2.5. Army Air Force under 37. Liberty plus 9.5. Auburn, Texas A&M under 49. Colorado State, Wyoming under 40.5. NC State minus 2.5. And Tennessee plus one. Tom Fernelli's on Army Air Force as well, under 37. Baylor TCU under 58 and a half. Tennessee plus one. UL Monroe plus four. Our man Michael Roberts is on Wisconsin Rutgers under 38. And Michigan State minus three. So that does look glorious. Now, as we do, 
and end every single show. We are so thankful that you guys, seriously, and I mean this, you guys take your time uh, out of your busy weeks to join us, break down picks, break down games. I want to make sure that we highlight everything that you're working on uh, for this coming week. So as I always say, Micah, you legitimately have your hands at every single sport for Sportsline. What can everybody look forward to this week from you? Yeah, baseball's over finally, so that clears up one thing. But now I'm massaging college basketball numbers with the NBA full swing, trying to find the groove there. And NASCAR's ending, so everything kind of comes back to the same spot, you know. So it's a lot of fun, and looking forward to the championship race this week in Phoenix. Um, Kyle Larson will not win. I don't think so. He's got nine wins on the season, but I don't think he's going to win because he hasn't done well on these types of tracks this season. So Martin Truex is the bet. He's six to one. He was plus eight fifty last week to win the championship. Six to one to win the race and the championship. I think that's the winner. There we go. Beautiful. Tom Fernelli, what do you got, buddy? Uh, obviously you can listen to me on the cover three podcast. We'll be going live tomorrow with our own locks pod at 11 a.m. Eastern. You should check us out. We're on multiple times a week. And we've added our Tuesday night reaction show to the college football playoff rankings because damn it, Chip and I just cannot stop <laughs> talking ever. Uh, also follow me on Twitter at Tom Fernelli. It's the easiest way to keep track of everything I'm up to, everything I'm doing and everything I'm thinking. And if I'm working on anything right now, it's taking a nap because I am tired. <laughs> Yes. You know what? You've earned that nap, man. It's been a long week already. You've earned it. Chip Preferred, my man, buddy. What do you got? I, I I will not spend this time promoting. I'll answer a question from earlier in the chat that we didn't get a chance to get to. James asked me if I would still like Wyoming, Colorado State under at 48. And I answer you, James, if I like it at 40 and a half, I love it at 48. So, yeah, go and make that money because... It's going to be windy in Laramie. That's a beautiful voice. I love it. Now, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. As Coach always says, let's take these straight to the pay window. For our guys, for Chip, for Tom, for Micah, the entire Early Edge crew, seriously, thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you tomorrow. Everybody, good luck. Good luck.